0: You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It was Steve Kahn putting forth arguably his most athletic draft class in his Arizona Cardinals tenure. It's Bo Brock, Alex Clancy, Locked On Cardinals here to break down the entire 2021 Arizona Cardinals draft class that started on Thursday night. They take the linebacker, Zayvon Collins. Then Friday, they take Rondale Moore, the speedy wide receiver out of Purdue. We're going to get into the rest of the picks because Steve Kime aggressively traded up into the fourth round after the team wasn't going to have a third, a fourth, or a fifth round pick. So they do get a fourth, and they finally fill out the need at cornerback. I, I would argue that they did a good job as far as adding some cornerback depth as we break down this class, Alex, just your initial thoughts. Cause I, I mentioned the athleticism that I think Steve Keim brought into the building. What are your thoughts on the latest draft class for the cards? Well, we
1: talked about it Friday of last week, where if you look at what Steve's Keim, Steve comes plan was when the season started, he executed that plan strength, and leadership. So the Zayvon Collins pick may have been an outlier for what they probably could have used at 16. We've talked about this in nauseum. The cornerback was the move. Uh, he decided not to do that in Steve Kime kind of fashion. That's not to say that it's not going to work. We can't look back and see Isaiah Simmons from last year. We don't know if Isaiah Simmons is going to work yet. So jumping to conclusions with those two they are going to play inside right next to each other in the 3-4 base is yet to be determined. Now, the rest of it, getting Rondell Moore, I mean, the dude... He bench six. He squatted six hundred pounds as a freshman in college. Okay, so this guy's not, you know, he he's not Devontae Smith lankiness. He's a big dude who just happens to not be over six feet. And if you watch any of his tape, that's a win. That's a win by all the draft pundits. Wow, I cannot believe Rondell Moore dropped that far. So now Kyler Murray may have an upgraded version of Andy Isabella, and that's good. And then moving forward, when they moved up into the fourth round, to um to draft uh, Florida corner Marco Wilson. That was looked at as a high move. They did have to give up a four next year, but with the compensatory picks coming back, it sh- they shouldn't miss it as much as they would in a normal season. And then drafting Tay Gowan in the sixth is something that, that's one where it's like, man, if this kid pops, that's going to be the steal of the draft for the Cardinals in the sixth round. Because, I mean, there's a lot of pundits that we saw on Twitter after the pick. Like, that was a, a top 100 graded player that they got in the sixth round. So that could be the steal of the draft. I think overall, I mean, it's a solid draft. It's not
0: top-heavy. Yeah.
1: And that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, today's episode of Lockdown Cardinals is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Just getting back to pick one. And, yeah, I mean, I, I'll completely agree. I think it was a successful draft for Steve Kime. It looked nothing like I could have imagined, starting with the 16th overall pick. But I think what you get as far as Zaven Collins is a guy that can make an impact early on and they mentioned that it was Cliff Kingsbury saying that Steve Keim wanted to emphasize at least playing his top 2 picks in Zayven Collins in the defense and Rondell Moore getting him involved in the offense and of course in the return game and that's got to get you excited as far as Arizona Cardinals fans are concerned because Isaiah Simmons when you look at the top fifteen picks Alex he played the least amount of snap percent as far as his snap percentage he was the the lowest of any of the top fifteen picks as far as the first round from twenty twenty Isaiah Simmons saw the one of the lower total you know snap percentage counts as anybody in the NFL last year and. You, You've seen it around the league that first round picks can make an impact and the way that the Cardinals have kind of set themselves up as a win now team getting a guy like Zaven Collins an impact maker was key as far as their draft strategy now they needed an explosive offensive playmaker that's what I think that you potentially have in Rondale Moore and then then we looked then they decided to uh Identify their need at cornerback. They trade up, as you mentioned, for Marco Wilson in the fourth round. And uh, it's just as far as he's a toolbox. He's got everything you would want from a cornerback. There were some interesting prospects that were still on the board at his position, but there was something that Steve Kime kind of liked, maybe even loved about Wilson. Uh, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, sub four, 440. We, he had the absurd 43 and a half inch vertical at his pro day. He threw a shoe against LSU. Maybe you can say that's a character flaw, but I I call it just a uh, guy that's passionate out there. He's a gamer. <laughs> and Tay Gowan. <laughs> Tay Gowan is, I I mean, as far as this entire draft class, I, I got to say, when, just on social media, I know that you got to take it with a grain of salt, but Cardinals fans are legitimately excited about the UCF cornerback.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, top to bottom, it was a much more solid draft than we've seen in recent years. You know? And that's something, going back to your Isaiah Simmons comment, we saw flashes from him. They didn't have an offseason, and that's not an excuse. But you got to look at, I mean, the first half the season is the preseason for Isaiah Simmons. I mean, he did have the most important defensive play of the year last year for the Arizona Cardinals, intercepting Russell Wilson in overtime. And take it, if it's an outlier, fine. But you saw that even though he got flagged for the big hits that he that, that he put on other players last year, he put on some damn big hits, so you know that if they can hone in his skill set, he and if he seriously if he takes the next step this year, you could look at one of the best defenses in the NFL. And Zayvon Collins, who knows if Marcus if, if um if Marcus Golden's gonna play the whole year, who knows if he's gonna end up being in a back in a backup role? Sure, Steve Kime says right now that Zayvon Collins is gonna play inside. He played the majority of his snaps outside last year at Tulsa. So who's to say that the thirty-year-old may not be supplanted by the young buck who's coming in ready, to, ready to run rough shot and kill people or whatever he said <laughs> in, in, in his call with in his call with Steve Kime. Right. Like yeah. it just because they say he's going to play inside right now doesn't
0: mean that things aren't going to change. Things always change. Right. Uh, as far as how he projects as an, as an edge rusher, it, it, it's not as enticing. Um, I think that you'd, you'd see it a little bit more from Isaiah Simmons maybe in that role, but. I think it's kind of an old school approach where you think about the old defenses that were legitimate. They always had middle backers that were just ferocious, right? It just nonstop motors. And that's what you get as far as Zavin Collins. And then you couple him with Isaiah Simmons, the athleticism that's in your linebacking core. I mean, there's KJ Wright, Bobby Wagner in Seattle that stand out. You know, there was Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley. I mean, those were some players on some big-time defenses that made a lot of noise. And the Arizona Cardinals have the, you know, as far as projectability between Simmons and Collins, it's absurd. Like this is the new wave of linebacking, and it seems like the Arizona Cardinals might be early to the party with a pair of prospects that can 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 make a, you know, a, a, a lot of noise, especially in the NFC West. I I I'm bold enough to say that between Simmons and Collins, and Collins is fantastic in coverage that these linebackers are going to, as far as linebacker interceptions, these guys are going to be in the top in the league. Like, they're that good. They're that athletic.
1: Well, I mean, look at it this way. Just like what we're projecting the pass rush to do for the weaker cornerback room, could be we could say the same thing for what Chandler Jones and JJ Watt will bring to the pass rush will allow a little bit of an easier job potentially for the young running for the young linebackers in the middle of the of the three four you know I mean there's three different tiers of this defense and the most important part are the best players up front at least on paper right now I mean we don't know what JJ Watts going to be but if this works out that's going to be the main part of it is Chandler Jones and JJ Watt being able to rush the passer right It should make the world a lot easier for everybody else if they're going to be able to get the pressures and get the sacks. And, um, you know, for the young guys in the middle, it's paramount for their progression if they can start to see success for themselves right away in some capacity.
0: And you have three guys, and you've got Simmons, Collins, Buda Baker, that you have no idea where they're going to be at any given time on any given play, and it just makes that a nightmare for the opposing offenses, primarily in the division, and when you're looking at maybe only Russell Wilson with the true ability to get out, escape, and make throws, make plays downfield, like if if Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt are disrupting and disruptive in the backfield, you know there's going to be a lot of poorly thrown footballs that you know whether it's the linebackers or whether it's you know what's perceived as a, a secondary that's not at full strength or a, a strength of this team anybody's going to be able to make plays on on ducks that are being thrown off from quarterbacks that are going to be pushed off their spot. It's a, it's really interesting. We're just getting started here on Lockdown Cardinals, part of your Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Bo Brock, Alex Clancy, follow along on Twitter, at Bob Rack, at Clancy's Corner, and at Lockdown AZ Cards. Let's get into the rest of the draft. Next, it's Lockdown Cards. Listen up, NFL fans. Nugenics, the number 1 selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. Get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea, text DRAFT, to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now, and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back in shape. Absolutely free. Text DRAFT. To 231-231. That's draft. To 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Nugenics Total T is a great way to increase lean muscle and feel strong with more energy and endurance. And like the TV ads say, she'll like it too. If you're over 40, don't let age get in the way. Get your edge back with Nugenics. There's a reason Nugenics has been the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC for years. It works. The NFL Draft is in the rearview mirror. We've already got odds on who could be the defensive and offensive Rookie of the Year. Here's your odds. Trevor Lawrence, 13-4. Justin Fields, 11-2. And Trey Lance, 11-2. A trio of quarterbacks as your favorites. Your defensive Rookie of the Year. It's interesting. Micah Parsons from the Cowboys, 4-1. Jalen Phillips, 7-1. Check out a full list of odds on BetOnline at BetOnline.ag. Of course, we had the Kentucky Derby over the weekend. The first leg of the Triple Crown. That means we have two more to go. Bob Baffert's horse took home the Kentucky Derby. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, coming down into the stretch until the playoffs, NHL, UFC, MMA action before the next pitch. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop, mobile device, and check out all the great sporting news and sign up for bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as your team preps for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or your cell phone. Sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus using the promo code Locked On on your first deposit. 100 bucks get you 50 bucks. 10 bucks get you five. It's that simple. Bet online. It's your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code Locked On. All right. So we broke down Zavin Collins more than I thought we were going to here on this show because we talked a lot about it on Friday's episode. You can check it out. We recommend Google Podcasts, Spotify. Odyssey app you can stream us there. Apple Podcasts still experiencing some issues. Hopefully when it's back up and running, I can put up put on all the Apple swag that I have. I can start to use my MacBook again, make calls on my iPhone. But right now I am uh I'm protesting. I'm protesting. You're boycotting? <laughs> I'm gonna boycott, even though I'm the biggest Damn. I'm the biggest Apple mark <laughs> there is. I really am. I I have AirPods, I have an Apple Watch, I have an iPhone, I have a MacBook. I'm it's like Nike and i and Apple. That's like that. That's my weakness.
1: Yeah. Once you get to the Apple, the to the AirPod stage, there's no turning back. <laughs> there is. Like, you'll no longer be a Galaxy guy. Like I still have a chance. I have an Apple Watch. I have a MacBook. But I have an iPhone. But you have Beats. So do I. I mean, it's, I'm yeah. The amount but of Beats nothing. That doesn't count. They were they were they <laughs> bought Beats. That doesn't mean that they were an organic product. You know, I do that for Dr. Dre. And yeah. LeBron, I don't do that for, um, you know, it's for quality. Tim Apple.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> Tim Cook. It's a quality product regardless. So let's start to look at this beyond, you know, Zayvon Collins. I want to get more into the Rondale Moore uh, because of what Kingsbury said. Him and Steve Kime want to emphasize playing these players earlier, and it's, it's something that we haven't seen. We especially didn't see it from the 2020 draft. Your top two picks, Isaiah Simmons, Josh Jones, who went in the third round uh, because you had the second-round pick going to Houston for DeAndre Hopkins. But... The, uh, the Arizona Cardinals didn't play those guys. It was basically a redshirt year for Jones. He would only come in in jumbo packages on offense. And then you had Simmons who played, you know, under 40% of the snaps. These guys, you know, Rondell Moore, Cliff saying the right things. He's excited, you know, to move him around and what he can do in this off- offense that already features Nook. It already has Kyler Murray. We've got James Connor and, and, and Chase Edmonds in the backfield. And then you've got AJ Green. I mean, they really could move him around now are can is it fair to be skeptical about K2's use of him absolutely but Rondell Moore the the Andy Isabella comp that I keep saying on seeing on social media is unfair
1: agreed yeah there's not like a, a tweet I put out over the weekend I was just saying that I just hope that the Cardinals chose the right receiver that was it. It had nothing to do with, I, I brought up Andy Isabella and DK Metcalf and Rondell Moore and the wide receiver from LSU that went later. Um, the Terrence Marshall Jr. Yeah. Ter- yeah. yeah. I was going to say Terrence Jefferson. I knew that wasn't right. Cause I was thinking Justin Jefferson. Um, that's not, I wasn't comparing the two cause you're right, but the role that's the role that they want him to play in some capacity. Obviously he's going to be able to expand it because he's a much better football player than, than Andy Isabella is. The issue is, as you mentioned, how much do you trust Cliff Kingsbury to utilize the talent he has? You know? I mean, we saw what Vance Joseph got out of that defense last year after Chandler Jones went down. That's what a coach does. Elevates the talent that he has. Now, Cliff Kingsbury arguably has 30% more talent on his side of the ball, 40%, and he's they're playing down to the level of Cliff Kingsbury's competence. Now, if they can somehow figure out a way to utilize this offense correctly – call the right plays, not just run end-arounds and not just run, you know, flare-outs for Rondell Moore. You actually use him in the offense. You put him in the slot. You do do things. You move him all the way around the field, as you mentioned earlier in the show. It'll have to keep defenses honest. And when you keep defenses honest, that's where DeAndre Hopkins eats. That's where A.J. Green can maybe take a step back to where he was in 2016, 2017. That's where Kyler Murray maybe has the ability to run the ball a little bit more with a little more space. When you have a guy that wreaks havoc in the in the you know the uh the second and third tier of a defense, second and third level of a defense, that's where good things happen for the rest of your offense. And if they can utilize him that way, that they'll be well on their way because he definitely has the talent to be that guy.
0: Yeah, and if there is a Cliff Kingsbury era, if it continues beyond twenty twenty one, you'd have to imagine that it's going to involve somebody else calling the plays or being involved in the play calling because you look, just look across the division, guys that are regarded as better play callers in offensive minds than even Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Kyle Shanahan, he just took on, he promoted an offensive coordinator in January. You had Sean McVay who had to kind of, uh, you know, suck up his, you know, eat up his pride earlier. And he, they brought in what Kevin O'Donnell from, from DC last year. And it seemed to work out for their offense and then, uh, you know, Seattle's making, you know, they got a changing guard. There's an offensive coordinator for all the other three NFC West teams. The Arizona Cardinals might have to make that jump. You know, we were talking about it potentially for this season. It seems like it's, it's too late in the game, too late in the process for that. But I, I believe it's inevitable if the K-2 era continues beyond this season.
1: But Bo, I mean, it it sounds awesome in theory. The 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 thing should be it should be him calling the plays and somebody else running the team. So 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 let me ask you. So that and that's not necessarily fair. So let's let's put that on the back end for a second here. If somebody else calls the plays, what is Cliff Kingsbury going to do?
0: He's just going to be he's going to play the role of like this CEO. I mean, and and that's you're right. That's not playing to his strengths. It's it's this guy that's trying to delegate. All, all his coaches and put them in a position of success. Right? right? I mean, he
1: can't walk into the defensive locker room and say anything to anybody because right. he doesn't know what he's doing. Well, That's yeah. what a head
0: coach would do. I mean, to your point, I mean, what stands out to me was the Thursday night game against San Francisco where they looked like they made a big stand on the goal line and then he, for some reason, called a timeout while the defense was on the field making a big play, calls the timeout, they they get to run it back, they get a second, second crack at it, and the Niners are back in the end zone. That was that was a big misstep for Cliff Kingsbury. That stands out. Of course, those are going to stand out. So yeah, yeah, it doesn't. There's there's no putting this cat back in its bag as far as him being the 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 head coach, the play caller. I mean, if it's somebody though that's taking his scheme, because I don't think there's anything been nobody's been like uh, against Cliff Kingsbury's scheme overall. It seems to have some success. The air raid and all its disciples of of Mike Leach and those guys, they've all had success. It's just execution. If somebody can just focus on that, while well, Cliff Kingsbury has to, you know, deal with, you know, should I challenge this play? Should I call a timeout? You know, who should be in there on offense? What should, what should our personnel look like? That's fine, uh, like a Cliff Kingsbury disciple. But I don't know if if those exist. Like we've said, it's been tough for him to get guys to come into the building and and kind of take take uh orders from Cliff Kingsbury because of the weird way that he he got his head coaching job I don't know we're getting yeah. off we're getting off track here with talk about the head coach where I really want to talk about this draft class on on this day on on this Monday um we look at Mark Marco Wilson from Florida you mentioned the Sean Wade thing where you know you mentioned it when they made the deal and they take Wilson Wade goes about he goes with the Cardinals pick essentially in the fifth round doesn't he Sean Wade out of Ohio State. If you look at the numbers, both of them matched up against Alabama. Both of them kind of got scorched. But uh, Sean Wade gave up 200 yards and two touchdowns in the first half against uh, Devontae Smith in the championship game. I think it was, uh, as far as Florida's defensive secondary in the SEC championship game, it was under 200 yards, but it was pretty close in a full length of game. So uh, there is a lot of improvement. A lot of people who I've talked to, say that it's going to be up to Marco Wilson if he's going to be a successful corner. It's, it's kind of between the ears because as far as physically and athletically, he's got everything you want. Yeah. Um,
1: I still like... This is going to be the draft. It's going to be around the corners and if these corners actually translate to NFL. And translate to be able to play in the NFL because they could have taken a corner at 16. They kind of went the other way. And Marco Wilson shown flashes. I've watched tape. I mean, he's he's freakishly talented. Um, not the best tackler, doesn't have the best hands, which isn't ideal for a cornerback. But, I mean, he's a, he was a fourth-round pick for a reason. Um, I just... I can't put my finger on what I truly believe about the first-round pick, which trickles down to this. Because if they drafted a corner at one, it wouldn't necessarily be a corner. They wouldn't necessarily have traded up to draft a corner in the fourth. They could have, but it'd be less pressure because you, you'd have your... Apparent to Patrick Peterson, at least you'd think with the higher draft pick. Uh, I don't know. That's why this draft is really weird. Not having two picks in the middle rounds was weird. Um, it's just, it's just been an oblong offseason, you know. I, I mean, it's yeah. but w- with the pick itself, not to get off track. Sorry, with the pick itself, you've got to be happy that at least Steve Kime did something. Sure, he's like, you know what? Even if it's not going to work, we talked about this, and I know it sounds super, really dumb, but. If he makes the draft choice with the right position, that's all you can hope for.
0: Yeah, I mean it was a little addressing late, the yeah. need. It was, a, it was a it was a lot later than a lot of people expected, but if if Tay Gowan or Marco Wilson, if if either one of them figure it out, and they both have tremendous skill sets, and Wilson kind of he fell later in the draft because of maybe character issues uh, and technique flaw, but he's a guy that can. Uh, corner blitz, which Vance Joseph likes to do. He can play some man. Uh, you, you can play some press man with, uh, with, with Gowan, who, you know, he sat out because of his daughter and, and during the pandemic, he didn't want to risk it for her. And, uh, he, he falls to the sixth round. I mean, if, if you can hit on one of those guys, your cornerback room looks just exponentially better than it did going into the, into the draft.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. I got a quick, quick question for you, really quick. So with people sitting out, are you going to find multiple diamonds in the rough in the fourth and fifth round that may have gone in the first or second round if they played last year?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. I mean, I think there, there's going to be, especially from this draft and probably last year's draft, where the inability to meet with these prospects and really pick their brains and, and figure out what they're about beyond the game film. Um, it, you're you're going to see some guys that that slip through the cracks and are going to be really productive, and then there are going to be guys that you miss out, you missed, swung and missed on, high in the draft that are going to be perceived as bust because you didn't get to do the due diligence that you know scouts and NFL front offices have been able to do for years. I mean, the rest of the draft, looking at it, um, you, you had the safety out of Cincinnati, and it just. Every time they add another safety to this roster, they added Sean Williams from Cincinnati, the Bengals, the pro club, and you've got Buda Baker, you've got Jalen Thompson, you've got Deontay Thompson. Um, it's it's a it's a you've got Chris Banjo. You've got a bunch of players that can play safety, and you think back to that Carolina game where they had nobody. It's like they lost that game to Teddy Bridgewater and everybody, and they're like, Yeah, if we didn't lose that game, we make the playoffs. Maybe they were looking at like hey, if we didn't have such a depleted safety room, maybe we show up and we play better, and they want to avoid that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jalen Thompson's injuries is now starting to just become a thing. Yeah, Uh, He missed a handful of games last year. Um, You know, like when you get into the seventh round, like, yeah, it's a position of need, so cool. We'll see what happens. You're right. I mean, there's a cavalcade of of safeties on the roster at this point. We'll see if Deontay Thompson can pop um, in his, what, third season now see if they can start to move forward and actually i mean cuz i mean you know you, you might lose two or three of these guys before the season starts yeah you know they might they might cut a couple of guys before the season starts i just i don't know i don't know it, it, dart throws dart throws in the sixth and seventh round you hope work out but usually don't
0: yeah we'll get to the unfortunately. other we'll we'll wrap up with the the dart throw in the sixth round edge rusher victor uh Dumakegi out at a duke uh james wiggins we already talked about him the seventh round safety and then uh Michael Manette, the Penn State center, we will talk about what their fits are. Plus, we'll give a grade. We'll tell you what your grade was. We, uh, we had everybody vote on Twitter, A, B, C, or D. Tell you the results of that. And then where the remaining glaring needs are, all in a quick third segment. It's Locked On Cardinals, part of your Locked On Podcast Network. There's no question what the tastiest protein bar is. The number one pick, Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar of all time. It's where tasty and healthy those worlds collide. Go to BuiltBar.com, get yourself a mix box. Figure out which Built Bars you love the most, or if you already know that, just lock in all 18 flavors that you want. Mix it up how you prefer it. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for the keto diet. If you do, go to the website and create a box of your own. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's by using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski, you know he's going to have an Aaron Rodgers update today. The latest news in every sport with the help of our local experts, follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. It's Bob Brock, Alex Clancy, wrapping up our draft recap. Uh, so according to the Locked On Cardinals listeners, we put it out there, the full uh, draft class, you know, one, two, four, pair of sixes and a pair of sevens. How did you grade the draft? Majority of people gave it a B, 54.6%. The next highest grade was an A just under 22%. The third highest grade was a C at under 20%, and then just under 4% of people said it was a D. Alex, what do you grade this draft? Yeah, I'll give it a B. I'll
1: give it a B. I mean, remember, ladies and gentlemen, the third-round pick was Rodney Hudson, and the fourth-round pick was 30% 30% of DeAndre Hopkins, I guess. I don't know how you compare the second round from last year and the fourth rounder this year, but it was a 30% uh share of DeAndre Hopkins. So you you have to remember that it's it's I equate this to I feel like I have to say this one more time because this was this is the day after the or the podcast after the draft. It's like getting your birthday present 6 months early. That's what it is. And when your birthday comes, it's like, "Oh, I don't get anything for my birthday." No, you already got your present 6 months ago. It was DeAndre Hopkins. It was Rodney Hudson. I'm sorry you're going to have to sit around and not get presents on your birthday, but you already, you wanted what you wanted months ago. So that's what we went through. But I'll give it overall a solid B. Yeah,
0: I think B is fair. Uh, Mike Kuyper gave it a B minus, but somehow he gave the Seahawks a B minus two and they had three freaking picks. And somehow the Rams, they didn't have a first round pick, but they get a B plus. He loved Tutu Atwell, though. He did. Mike Kuyper loved
1: Tutu Atwell. I, but
0: I think Rondell Moore is probably has, has better upside than the just unbelievably small. Tutu, you think Rondell Moore is tiny? <laughs> Tutu Atwell is what, under 5'8, and he's about 155 pounds. And where's he going to fit in that offense? He was
1: 145.
0: Where's he fit in that offense? I don't know. It's but just, just,
1: just to compare, yeah. Darren Sproles weighed 190. Yeah. Okay. So that was, and Darren Sproles, what, was like 5'5? Like people always compare. People always thought that Darren Sproles was, was slight. Because he was short the dude was a brick a fire he, would fall, he would bounce off the yeah he would bounce off the the uh the turf and just get back up because he was at zero percent he was like DK Metcalf at five five yeah so it's a lot different than two2 all
0: right so following this the, I, I just look real quick just uh, one more comment on this draft class uh Michael Manette out of Penn State he's a he played center you gotta imagine with the arrival of Rodney Hudson he could just be you know holy crap depth there. Worst-case scenario, but probably could move inside, played some of the guard positions, and try to make this roster. He's a seventh-round pick. There's no given there. Uh, oh, and, and then the sixth-rounder we really haven't talked about, the edge rusher at a Duke, Victor Duma, Um He hits hard, from what you can tell on, on video. This was really one out of left field that I had no clue who he was. 21.5 sacks in four seasons for the Blue Devils. Uh, if he if he hits, he adds depth behind, of course, Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, Marcus Golden, Dennis Gardeck. If he can be a rotational guy, good for him.
1: Yeah, I mean that's all. You yeah. know, it's it's uh there are rumblings that he's going to move to outside linebacker. Yeah, uh, even though he played D end in college, and you said in a four three scheme. Yeah, so it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but. If, you know, if, if the only pick that doesn't make sense is one of the sixth round picks, you'll take it in a Steve Kahn draft.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, I, I'm just excited about the potential. Of the first two picks of the draft, seeing some serious playing time. We'll get into, you know, how they project. The bet online odds are already out for them as far as offensive and defensive players of the year. It's 41 for Rondell Moore. It's 10 to 1 for Zayvon Collins, so a little bit higher of a favorite, of course, as far as the defensive player of the year for or rookie of the year uh, as for the 16th overall pick. Um, The Cardinals did add, as far as what I've seen on social media, nothing's confirmed. They've added four undrafted free agents. They get the local kid out of U of A, Lorenzo Burns. He's a defensive back. They doubled up at the tight end position. Cincinnati tight end Bruno LaBelle and NC State tight end Kerry Angeline and the defensive lineman Cam Murray from Oklahoma State. That's the biggest glaring need remaining is the tight end position, Alex. And I want to get into this this week. As far as the options in filling that need. Because there's some intriguing trade options. And then there's some intriguing uh, free agents. You've got a couple of them I know you like. So we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, and then defensive tackle. I think that's also a place you could probably... A little beef. Never heard anybody. Get it, get it going for the Cardinals. But uh, overall, a B. There's a lot more to be said about this draft. We're certainly going to do it. We're going to have some great guests this week. We'll kind of give some more insight about who all these players are. But I thought as far as the Cardinals were concerned, Steve Keim and crew did a good job. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockdownAZCards, at Clancy's Corner, and at B-O-B-R-A-C-K. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great rest of your Monday. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Cardinals.